Standing by LX1. Standing by SFX1. Standing by Talent. All systems go. This is Theatrepod. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Theatrepod. Today we'll be talking to the cast members of the Tasmanian Theatre Company's newest show, Oleana. Oleana is a dramatic two-character play written by American playwright David Mamet in 1992 and follows the story of a student, Carol, and Professor John as they navigate the complications of power dynamics, academia, and sexual harassment. We're joined now by the show's cast members, Guy Hooper and Karen Irison. Thanks for being here, guys. Hello. 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 Welcome. Thanks for having us. Uh, So we touched on it briefly, but for those who haven't seen it, what's the play about, Guy? Mm. Well, it's about a lot of things, but its central sort of uh, plot revolves around a uh, academic student. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. Um, An academic professor and uh, his uh, younger female student. And the three meetings that happen between them over the course of, I guess, less than a week, really, um, in which we see a student-teacher relationship basically devolve into something very dark and um, Mm. pretty ugly by the end, but during which a whole bunch of ideas are thrown at us, including Mm -hmm. the idea of language and communication. Obviously, uh, sexual harassment comes up, and um, but you know it's it covers a lot more than just that. And I mean, the play's famous for its final scene. Um, yeah. But in fact, the, I think the play's a, kind of gets swamped by its final scene because the ideas in it um, that are explored throughout the play are of equal weight to that final moment. Yeah, I I would definitely say that. The it's more language. Uh, I that language is a weapon. Language is that absolute weapon of this play, and that's what drives it to the last moment, which you said. Mm. So, and not just language verbally, but body language, and body language is a the one of the biggest. uh, What would you say? Indicators of what's going on. Yeah, for the, thank for the you. Characters. In the yeah. play, yeah. yeah. And I guess sort of analysing people's uh, troubles and sometimes interpreting body language and, mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, and what are thing. the consequences mm-hmm. of that? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Uh, the show f- first premiered 25-odd years ago. Mm. But, it, I mean, to me, w- the, when you guys were talking about it just then, it sounds like it could have been inspired by the Me Too movement. It sounds quite contemporary and modern. Do you, do you agree? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's... um. Look, I think in the intervening 25 years with the whole Me Too generation and a much more sophisticated and, I guess, aware discussion of gender politics and identity politics, some of the issues in the play, are, you can't come to them without being aware of that those 25 years of history. So in some ways it's, um, I won't say less shocking because it's still a pretty shocking play, but the context of it uh, is not coming out of the blue in the way it might have 25 years ago. But it's still an incredibly powerful play, really powerful, and the ideas that are explored in it are absolutely relevant today and I think sharpened by our discussion, by, you know, society's discussions. Is that one of the things that drew you to this role? For sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that draw you to doing a play, uh, you know, apart from the paycheck. Um, <laughs> it's always so, a good bonus. It's always good. It's always good. Um, but, you know, Mamet's one of the great writers of the 20th century, one of the great American 
playwrights of the 20th century. And some people um, say that Oleana is his greatest play. Um, I think Karen was saying it, it's reputed to be one of the most difficult plays. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's always the content of the play. You're always mm-hmm. interested in that. You want the play to say something. But as, uh, as a performer, as an actor, you also, uh, I mean, I like to deal with the technical challenges of the role. So it's a, for both of the characters in the play, there are some really high technical demands, just mm. the technical stuff of dealing with Mamet's dialogue, which is extraordinarily constructed. Are there dialogue. a lot of long monologues given there are only the two of you? There are some long monologues, mm-hmm. but the, which are actually, I guess for me anyway, they're, they're actually the easier part to deal with. The trickiest part is that a lot of the play, like Karen was saying, it's about language and communication and mm-hmm. a lot of the time the two characters are actually in not, their own thoughts they're yeah, not listening to each other they're not other. listening to each other and when that happens the dialogue becomes really fragmented mm. overlapped and, sorry overlapped overlapped yes exactly yeah. as we just did <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and because of the, because of that <clears throat> technically you have to sort of follow this line of thought which is not necessarily connecting with the other character so there's a lot of and this is the thing, it's not, um, it's beautifully constructed. I, I, I say it, it's this sort of poetic incoherence that Mamet creates. So you think you're listening to very naturalistic dialogue in which two people are communicating or not communicating. Mm. But, and it's full of half words and non-finished sentences, overlaps, uh, repetitions of dialogue as we hear in natural speech. But if you take it apart, you understand that, the dialogue is actually really carefully constructed. There are rhythms and there are uh, cadences in every single word. It's so carefully put together so that you have to hit all of those cadences, all of those rhythms, maintain your focus, not communicate with your other <laughs> actor. And I, I've yeah. got, also on top of that, there are eight phone calls that cut across the dialogue at various points, which my character yeah. has to take. Mm. And they're just they're just a minefield of difficulty <laughs> for an actor. Definitely. So for all those reasons. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about the ideas in it. It's yeah. You know, it's a it's a great challenge as an actor. Karen, what drew you to the role? Good question. <laughs> I mean, it's such a good play. Mm. How can you refuse to not doing it? I mean, when you're in school, when you're studying acting, I mean, you know about the play. So, I mean, it's a dream. So when the chance came up, like you, you run to it. Um, but then, I mean, Carol's, she's a complicated character. Mm. And when you're at school, I mean, I mean, everyone can relate to her. I mean, I don't think there's one person on this planet who can't relate to her. So, I mean, what, what do you mean by that when you say that? I mean, uh, when you're put to a, when you're a young girl or a young man, um, I think you're going to be confused at some point in your life. You're going to have an authority figure telling you that you're, you're doing something wrong or there's something wrong with you. You're this, you're that, and you're going to be lost. So I think, yeah, everyone uh, can relate to that. When the first, when the show first came out, there was, I guess, a mixed reception to it. Um, how do you think hope, modern Hobart audiences are going to react? And- well, I hope they react well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do. It's, it's going to be interesting. You, you, I mean, know, you never know. It, it, 
I, I hope they react positively. Of course you do. Um, the the play, it's not an easy play. Mm. You know, it's mm. not the sort of play that people come out going, "Gee, I love that guy." And, yeah. Gee, I love that mm. um, that woman playing that character. It's not that sort of play. But um, what people can get from it is um, an an understanding, at least, of sort of where the sharp edge of gender politics can mm. manifest itself. It's not there's no side really taken in the play. And people who take sides, are, I think, are kind of missing what Mamet is actually saying. Mm. Do you the, expect it to be divisive between men and women in particular? Uh, I, I expect so. Yeah, mm. absolutely, I expect mm. so. And um, people will react very strongly to um, Karen's character and they will react very strongly to my character. But I hope that audiences are able to to separate and see that that's exactly what Mamet wants. You know, I think this play should leave people uh, uncomfortable. If if art does anything, it's not that great definition. What is it? To, art should comfort the disturbed and disturb yeah. the comfortable. Yeah. That's it. Um, it will certainly do that. But I think it will also make people think. Yeah. Um, and in the context of what we've seen mm. in Me Too, I yeah. think people's minds are going to be more open to thinking about these things. I was going to say, do you think audiences these days are more likely to be less, uh, what's the word, I guess, abrasive in their decisions at the end of it? They are more likely to maybe think about it a little bit more than maybe they did 25 years ago? Or yeah, I, I, I hope, so. hope so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, both characters actually, like, neither character is entirely lovable. Mm -hmm. mm. Far Just like it. real people. Just like real people. It's people. <laughs> and yeah. neither character, uh, both characters say and do things which are reprehensible. Both characters say and do things which have some virtue in them. But, um, and that's the nub of it. Like, Mammoth doesn't let us off the hook by saying this is the right thing or that is the right thing. Both characters actually frame quite cogent arguments about gender politics mm. and um, people's responses to it. And in the end, Mammoth ends up saying, well, if he says, uh, and I think he does actually say this, I'm not going to say if he says anything, mm. because I think he is actually saying this, it's communicate. And the whole play is just a beautiful exploration of the ways in which we don't communicate yeah. and how in a power relationship that can lead you into really dangerous territory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a little simplistic, but in rehearsals, do you find yourself relating to another character more all the time? Do you find yourself going back and forwards? Mm, I mean, I've locked myself off from not doing that. I have to stay in my, my mind frame. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, mm. no. You're not I, trying to relate to him at all? You're like, no, no I don't can't. relate. No, I, yeah. I can't. We keep yeah. it pretty light, but, you know, Karen in particular has to go to some pretty dark places. Mm. Yeah. And um, I've got to say, I really admire the way she takes her there in every run we do. She goes straight to the emotions that need to be tapped into and that must be really mm. tough to do that. Thanks, Kai. Oh. <laughs> oh, with, with, with the two of you on stage uh, during the 90-minute play, uh, what what's it like working so closely with each other? You know, do you have any difficulties or do you get along very well? Well, I think well, so it's far. easier. Yeah, <laughs> so far anyway. <laughs> Pretty well. I think it's easier to work yeah. on a two-hander rather yeah. than a massive cast. Yeah. Then you don't have to constantly think about where is this person, where's that person, am yeah. I, you know, am you, I in the right position? That's right. <laughs> or are they in the right position? Well, yeah. yeah. I guess, um, sorry, Karen. That's all right. I, I think it's easier to work with just one person. I think it's nice. Mm. I think it's good. And I think we both have a similar approach. We both, um, and Gus, Gus Powers, the director, is 
in a, in a similar bent. You, we've worked the staging of it um, so that it's there are sort of points that we need to reach, but we're not trapped in you know very Locking. heavily rigid yeah. kind of move moves or movements. We're both the sort of actors I think who like to feel where we are on the night, yeah, yeah. And, and respond to the other's um, choices on the night or where you are on stage. So it's got a kind of looseness and spontaneity. Yeah. But underneath that, of course, there's a really tight kind of uh, rhythm that we need to maintain. Does yeah. the script have a lot of stage direction or is it? He's got a lot of pauses in there. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of pauses and there's... And then there's a lot of ones where he says, answers the phone, hangs up the phone. Carol writes in her book. Mm. <laughs> cool. Carol makes That's that. right. And, you know, um, pauses are interesting in scripts. Um, like Pinter, I think, was once asked about his pauses and, and you know, because there are some directors who rigidly put in the pauses mm. and it's a mistake to treat a pause as a suspension of the action mm-hmm. or the thought, and often you can see deadly productions where every time a pause is written, stuff stops on stage and they go, <laughs> I'll take a pause, and then nothing <laughs> happens. And um, Pinter, when he was questioned about it, he said, look, look, I put those pauses in because when I was envisaging it or even directing the first of productions, there was a moment there, a moment of thought or an action that happened on stage. I just put the pause in there. You don't have to follow my pauses So people are taking to. it too literally. They are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to think. <laughs> yeah, Stop. Right. Stop pause. right now. <laughs> ha- having said that, um, you, it's always worth paying attention to a pause when it's such a carefully structured piece as yeah. Mamet has done and think about, well, why does he say pause there? And almost, I don't know, 99% of the time, you can either go, oh, there's a pause here because the character is thinking this or because the character is absorbing something or because the character is making an action, which yeah. might be useful, and you find reacting physically or psychologically and you find it, it's a gift when you go, well, why might that pause be there? And then yeah. you fill that pause and you create something yeah. from it. You were telling us a bit about your director, Adam Gus Powers, mm. a little bit earlier. Um, what do you enjoy most about working with Gus? Um, obviously someone who's well-respected in the um, Tasmanian and the Australian scene as mm. well. Um, what do you enjoy most about working with Gus? Do you want to answer that? Well, I've worked... I've talked a lot. <laughs> I've worked with Gus before. So I knew him... When I was back at the, when I was studying music theatre, so I've known him for quite a while, and he's very respected over in Ballarat and over in Melbourne, um, and he's so lovely, and he's worked with so many different artists, and from working with those artists, he's accumulated so many different methods of acting and directing, and particularly uh, working backstage and working on sets. Um, so working in the room with him, hmm. it was, how, what would I describe it as? I wouldn't say relaxed. He would let us do our thing mm-hmm. and then would come back and um, tell us, no, I don't like that. I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. I need to do it this way. I think um, it was not, he, he didn't come in the room set with a set of instructions like yeah. most directors would. Mm. Um, so it gives um, you the chance nice. to create those ideas yes, as well. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was collaborative. Yeah. 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 And, you know, theatre should always be collaborative. And Definitely. rehearsal is an interesting word. In different cultures they have different word for rehearsals. You know, sometimes it's play, sometimes it's experiment, sometimes it's test is the literal translation yeah. in mm-hmm. other cultures and languages. And um, I think one of Gus's uh, virtues is he has a, he has a process, so it's a set process, and it, it's a 
sort of standard um, process of analysing the text first and then carefully thinking about where the units of action are occurring in a text and then rigorously defining that unit of action, which is actually all part of a process of just working out that we're all telling the same story, that we all agree on the story we're telling, and then moving that onto the floor. Um, you know, directors, uh, some directors have a very specific method that they want to impose in rehearsal, and that can be fine. But for this play, which is, uh, look, we've had three, three and a half weeks of rehearsal. So you have to bear in mind the pragmatics of staging a piece in that mm. time. And some mm. methods of rehearsal are great if you've got six weeks to two months yeah. to actually be on the floor and rehearse it. Sometimes you have to be a little lean and, and dirty and Gus's method sort of works for that really well. And, and also the play is very emotional. Mm. So if you're told you have to do this and you have to be here when you need to be feeling a certain emotion, that's not no, going to be good. Yeah. yeah. Because you need to be in a, a certain place emotionally where that needs to come out. Yeah. And you can't be told, you need to cry now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a bit hard to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't. It's not like crying on cue, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit difficult. And Gus lets us discover, and we feel, you know, we collaborate. We collaboratively discover what's going on. And, um, you know, that's that's the way I like to work. That's why I like working in theatre. It's always a collaboration. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. and the show's being put on at the, um, well, the Coogan's Theatre, I yes. guess you can call it in Collins <laughs> yeah. Street, the old Coogan store, huh? which is going to be a bit unique Um, So, because um, it's not an actual theatre space. So no. tell, tell us, us about, about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I didn't even know that. I had no idea. Coogan's, <laughs> I I didn't even know that the Coogan's building had shut down. Oh, oh really? <laughs> I was just saying, yeah, you know, there was a theatre space there. I left <laughs> and then I came back. Oh, of course, you've been on the mainland. <laughs> yes, and... Where's Coogan's? <laughs> yes, yeah. It, it's great. I, it's, you know, it's a big space. There's three, four stories, including the basement, and... Um, Gus has got a really great visual yeah. sort of sense because he comes from a design background yeah. as well. So the whole space is kind of being endowed and the ground floor where the foyer is will evoke the sense of entering a so university. So is it in on, on that first entry, like, no, ground it's on level? The, the theatres, well, the space that we're performing in is mm -hmm. on the third level. Oh, okay, oh, so it's a bit up yeah. on the top. But oh, in the second level there. there'll be sort of art emplacements, <laughs> wow. uh, sort of installations placed, um, which sort of reflect some of the themes of the play. And I think we're getting various Hobart artists to oh. create little installations on the second floor. Wow. And then as you enter the space on the third floor, um, which has been... Create, but Matt Stolp has done a lovely design and it's been lit by Aaron Webb. Um, it will convey the sense of a, of a stylized office, but the I don't want to give away too no, much. No, don't give away too much. But the entrance away, into the, the venue will kind of Resemble. create a wider mm. sense of yeah. where this action is taking place, the, the kind of environment in which this office is set. Do you think that this is the perfect kind of show to have that really unique venue? What le extra layers to it does that add? Yeah. Well, I don't I, Look, theatre's always a, a, well, unless you've got s stacks of money, yep. theatre yeah. is always going to be this, um, this beautiful job of creating with limited resources a world yeah absolutely yeah, however you do it with you know with a single actor in an empty space mm. or with limited design and resources so i i, I often enjoy seeing theater in non-theater spaces or in mm -hmm. theaters which are actually haven't been designed as theaters but mm. are an adapted building because in that space you 
you create opportunities. Mm. Like art is essential. Making theatre, maybe making art generally, is at one level just very pragmatic. It's just this pra practical, pragmatic process of solving problems. From the first moment you're solving a problem, your first problem is how are we going to tell this story? And then you have to go, how are we going to tell this story in this space? And then you have to say, well, what am I going to do that I can be heard by that person back there? And you have to say, well, I'm going to solve that problem by yeah. having good vocal development, yeah. good physical you know, presence and understanding my body. Everything you're doing is really just a practical response to a particular problem. The art lies in how creatively you solve that problem. And to what degree you actually engage your imagination and the audience's imagination in solving that problem. So sometimes, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. The, yeah. the limitations of resources, the difficult or non-traditional spaces create opportunities for you that if you use your imagination a little bit, pr provide all this amazing uh, opportunities that you wouldn't find yeah, in a really, more traditional space. I'm really excited to see that building that we would have been in a thousand times yeah. used in this really new, creative and exciting mm. way. Now, finally, give us a quick pitch on why our listeners should come along and, and see the show. Hmm. All right. Who wants to go first? You go first. Because it will be bold and brave and exciting theatre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a play that deals with the ideas that society is grappling with at the moment. And uh, it's a, a play that is part of, it's becoming part of the modern classic canon. So if you're a theatre lover, um, come along and see it because you can, you can take the play at so many levels. You can enjoy the craft of the writing. You can enjoy the, um, the way the space has been adapted. You can enjoy the story because there is a plot in there which has some <laughs> really good twists to it. Um, and you know, uh, you can enjoy some fine acting yeah. from, from Karen and myself and great direction from Gus and lovely lighting and design from Matt and Aaron. Um, it's, a, it's a significant piece of theatre in, in our town. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Do you know when the last time this play was done in Hobart? Any idea? I don't know. No, I don't know that it's ever, ever been done in Hobart. I, no, no, I have no idea at all. It could yeah. well be Not the Tasmanian premiere. Could Tasmanian be. Tasmanian premiere. <laughs> there you go. That's a good reason for it. Thanks so much for coming in, guys. You can get your tickets for Oleana at the Tasmanian Theatre Company's website. The show is on at the Coogan's Theatre on Collins Street from the 7th until the 12th of November. Thanks for coming in, Guy. Thank you. Thanks for coming in, Karen. Thank you. And this has been another special Theatre Pod podcast. Thanks for joining me, Mahalia. No worries. And we'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Powering down all systems. Thanks for listening to Theatre Pod. Check out our website at theatrepod.com.au.